So this is the second session of uh, the book on the book of Ruth about the story of our redemption, uh, the story of God's redemption amongst us. So we're looking at the book of Ruth, and we begin with chapter 2 of this week. We're looking entirely at chapter 2. And if you remember, just a really brief summary is uh, Naomi's husband passed away in the land of Moab. Uh, There, uh, Naomi's two sons also passed away, died, uh, which made her and her daughter-in-laws, two daughter-in-laws, widows. Her daughter-in-laws, one of which was Ruth, were Moabites outside of the covenant. Uh, Naomi decides to return back to Israel, her homeland, the land of the covenant, and uh, the region is Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And Naomi comes back with her and says that she is, in a sense, vowing with the covenant to Naomi that your people will be my people, your God will be my God, and so on. So this is where we pick it up here. So we're in back in Israel, and uh, one of the characters that emerge in our, our uh, chapter 2 today is Boaz. Boaz, whose name means swiftness, is called a kingsman redeemer, and he will be a type of Christ in this uh, remaining part of this uh, book chapters 2 through 4, and he is um, known for in, uh, economic prosperity. Uh, he's known for having a certain level of uh, uh, leverage in Israel, uh, the society he lived in, and so he emerges here as a kinsman redeemer and will play a significant role again. So let's take a look at verse 1 in chapter 2. Naomi had a relative of her husband's a worthy man of the clan of Amalek, whose name was Boaz. So Boaz was related to the family through uh, Elimech. And then in verse 2, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let us go to the field and gleam among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I find favor. So they were going to to the fields to be able to harvest food uh, oftentimes Israel's law from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 15, uh, spoke about how the, uh, those that harvest in the field were supposed to leave a section of it for the poor. So again, we uh, want to see real clearly here that the Lord is providing for the poor through the basic day-in and day-out life vocations or life work of the farmers in these fields. So, find favor. Uh, so, Ruth finds favor, meaning finding favor with Boaz. And the beauty of that is it's kind of like points to the New Testament where grace uh, is another way for finding favor. Grace, of course, is extended to us through Jesus Christ. Uh, and God's working among us is through grace uh, in that uh, that his movement towards us is one of gift and benevolence. And so Ruth recognizes the favor, and we could say that the favor points to a greater favor the human race would receive through the person of Jesus Christ. And, and the majesty and the beauty of that being given to the human race was what Ruth felt like. She was a Moab. Uh, she was outside the covenant. Um, she was poor, and yet she's finding favor uh, and uh, this is a significant mo- movement uh, in Ruth's life. 
So the word uh, favor here meaning graciousness, kindness, uh, a certain um, measure of uh, charm or uh, as it's used here. So it speaks of elegant speech. So everything about it speaks of blessing to this woman. In verse 3, we see where, and so she set uh, out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Okay, so here we see God's purposes are at work in Ruth's life. They're far advanced in Ruth's life than even what she realizes, but God is already like steps ahead of her preparing the way. So you can picture a common field, as it were, uh, and she comes to the part where it's the, bar, the part that belongs to Boaz. So think of it this way. Think of a large field, and people had different sections of the field to work on. Boaz had his field as well. And uh, so we see where Ruth comes to her appointment with God, you might say, that God is already preparing the scene for her. Verse 4, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and Bethlehem means house of bread, and he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. Um, this is, uh, in one level, it's praise, it's worship, but it's also blessing. It's kind of like the blessing at the end of a, like a benediction if it was in a Protestant service or the blessing that comes at the end of Mass, go in peace. Blessing. Uh, uh, in the Catholic Church, we have what's called a book of blessings, covering every aspect you can imagine of life situations. Blessings imply Lord's favor, Lord's graciousness, it's a praise of God that all blessings, all favor, all provision comes from him. But it's also blessing people and blessing situations and blessing lands or uh, objects. The point is that the Lord used this and the Lord provides for it and the Lord's favor and grace be upon it. So blessings are nothing to be taken Lightly, they're a significant part of the biblical understanding of how God moves amongst his people, and they're a significant part of our time today. So verse, um, verse f- 5, we see where, Then Boaz said to this young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who's in charge of the reaper, and she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country, of Moab. So uh, Ruth has no husband and no one to act on her behalf. So the stage is set for her, uh, for the Redeemer to step in. And this is so much a picture of the human race, right? Before Jesus came, the human race had really no one to act on their behalf. The Lord was at work through Israel forming covenants. Then Jesus steps into the scene and he acts on behalf of the human race to redeem us. Um, So uh, so Ruth is a young woman, and she's now being integrated into Boaz's people. So she is being drawn into the covenant life of this people. So in verse 6, and the servant who is in charge of the reapers answers, she is the young Moabite. Uh, and then verse 7, she pl- said, please let me gleam and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she continued for early morning until now, except for a short rest. So she's gathering food. Um, uh, and because she's poor, basically, and her household is poor. And the we see where here she, and this was, again, 
an opportunity for the poor to gather at certain points to gather food for the day. And that's what Ruth was doing. So in verse 8, then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to gleam in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. So Boaz takes now uh, the role of understanding Ruth's situation. He says uh, to her, now listen, or you will listen, uh, implying that he is about to make some kind of decoration here that's going to be significant. He calls her my daughter. So he's older than her, but also has a sense of protective care with her at that point as well. Uh, So uh, again, we see the favor, the graciousness, the protection uh, of Boaz at work in Ruth's life, who basically has no one, who's a widow, who's a Moabite in a land of Israel. And here we see Boaz redeeming. Uh, he's at work transforming her situation and her life's destiny. And that's what he does for each of us. He steps into our life situations, and he is at work redeeming. He's at work pouring out graciousness and favor. Our turn is to respond to him with thanksgiving, with praise, with obedience, with trust, uh, with repentance if we need to. So the point being that graciousness is being poured out and we need to respond to that. So verse 9, he says, Let your eyes be on the field they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Again, this is a sign of his protection, protection from sexual abuse, from verbal, physical abuse. Uh, so Boaz is protecting this woman in, a, in not just a spiritual sense, but also in the physical sense as well. And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So again, we see just the benevolence and the provision that's being made here. Verses 10 through 14, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? The bowing down is a sort of an act of of worship, if you would. Um, She's overwhelmed by the favor that Boaz is showing her, uh, and she's overcome by that. And she's like, bowing down is is an act of supportiveness towards him. And he goes on to say, verse 11, Boaz answered her, All that have been done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. So we see where Boaz is deeply moved by this woman's commitment to the covenant of Naomi and to the people of Naomi and to the God of Naomi. Boaz is completely moved by that. Uh, and she, and because of that, she experiences the Lord's favor, and Boaz is a dispenser of that favor of the Lord. Listen to what verse 12 says, the Lord repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Wings here is shelter, and she finds shelter in the covenant of the Lord with his people Israel. And again, this is and Boaz recognizes this and acknowledges what is taking place. And so we see a dialogue ensuing here, verses 10 through 14, uh, between Boaz and Ruth. He indicates her supportive care for her 
and he is a dispenser of the Lord's blessings and favor and provision for her in every way possible. So the symbolism here is quite radical in a sense, you might say, that this lady finds favor and that it's the God of Israel she's finding favor with as well. So I think here a key point is that we can ever, never outdo generosity towards God. When we're generous towards God's people with our time, energy, resources, uh, the Lord always gives back more than we could ever ask or imagine. Again, we can never outdo him in generosity. And that comes out of the character of who he is. And when we act in his character towards others, he responds in uh, multiple ways to us in our provision. Verse 14, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel into the wine. So we see um, almost like a role reversal here, whereas you would expect Ruth to be serving him. He is serving her. Come to the table. Come and eat at my table. Uh, this is a tremendously powerful symbolism uh, that Jesus would do for his disciples. If you remember, at the Last Supper, he prepared a table for them. And what does he do at the table? In John chapter 13, he washes the feet of his disciples. So it's, it's quite amazing when you stop and think about what he did for them. And here he says, as I've done for you, now you do for each other. And here we see Boaz in the role of a Christ figure, um, ministering to Ruth, to complete role reversal. Um, and we see, again, um, this whole movement of Boaz towards Ruth is to redeem her life situation. So we continue on um, in verse 15, when she rose to gleam Boaz instructed his young man, saying, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Again, we see the constant protection of this woman. So you can imagine what so easily could have taken place for her uh, in terms of being exposed with vulnerability to all kinds of abuses. But Boaz is protecting. Boaz is shepherding. He is guarding. He is and again, we see this so much of pointing to Christ and who Jesus is for us. So she gleaned in the field, this is verse 17, until evening. She beat out what she had gleaned. It was about, about an apple of barley, and she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her food, which she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today, and where have you worked Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she took her mother-in-law with him, with, with whom she had worked, and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness have, has not forsaken the living or the dead. So again, we see where the Naomi and Ruth uh, recognizes in Boaz's kindness and favor and grace and graciousness we see the Lord's blessings towards them, the Lord's provision. And, and she goes on to tell about who this man is, a close relative and one of our redeemers, a kingsman redeemer. And Ruth, the Moabite, said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep uh, close by my young men until they finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, and my, my daughter, that you should go out with this young woman, 
lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaming until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. So again, we see uh, this um, tremendous outpouring um, of graciousness, and that's what Christ did at the cross for us, where he poured out this tremendous outpouring of graciousness and grace to redeem us, to reconcile us to the Father, to atone for our sins, to literally give us a new identity in Christ as sons and daughters of the Father. And Boaz liberally shares with Ruth uh, the, um, and consoles her and shows kindness with her. So, again, this is such a, a, a foreshadowing of what Christ would do through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. So, well, just in conclusion for today, uh, I think we see a couple of things here. We see where the Lord is eagerly at work redeeming Ruth's life. And through that would also redeem Naomi's life too. He's at work working out his plan and drawing her deeply, that is Ruth, more deeply into the covenant. And something that is dear to God's heart is that he draws us more and more into the covenant of blessing, of, of grace of, uh, for our life. And this is his purpose and his movement towards us. It's only we who resist him through our sinfulness, our stubbornness, our pride, that we resist God's movement of grace and blessing to his people. The Catechism states in number 56, after the unity of the human race was shattered by sin, God at once sought to save humanity part by part. The covenant with Noah after the flood gives expression to the principle of divine economy towards the nations. In other words, towards men grouped in their lands, each with their own language by their families and their nations. So we see where the Lord's heart is to redeem people. He wants to do something about the shatteredness of the human race in light of original sin, uh, and in light of our own errors and sinfulness and mistakes and failures. He wants to do something about that. He's in the business of redeeming, not condemning. And so uh, verse, or rather paragraph 60 in the Catechism says, the people descended from Abraham should be the trustees of the promise made to the patriarchs, the chosen, called to prepare for that day when God would gather all his children into the unity of the church. They would be the root unto which the Gentiles would be grafted once they came to believe. So in other words, the Israelites are the foundation or the root upon which the Gentiles are grafted into. Uh, God's working through the covenant with Israel was, in a sense, the root that would get ready for the church that would uh, be engrafted onto the root. And again, uh, we see where God's heart is to redeem his people and to heal his people. So we could suffer in our life abuses, uh, losses, tragedies, uh, personal failures, and maybe sinful patterns of actions that have left our life a certain measure of dysfunction. And, and the movement of God's heart to us is to heal, is to redeem, is to save, is to rescue. Our response is to respond to his mercy, not take it for granted, not look the other way, but allow him to work in us in ways that would redeem us, make and empower, he wants to empower us to make the changes necessary to get free. God doesn't simply, he doesn't stamp our life as a blank slate and says everything is good to go 
He wants repentance. He wants us to turn to him to change. He wants us to to turn away from the darkness and the actions in our life that are sinful or the brokenness in our life. He wants us to turn away from that so that he in turn can act as our, our kinsman redeemer and redeem that which has been wounded or broken or stolen in our life. So this is his heart for us. So repentance is integral. God's kinsman redeemer mercy and healing to us is also integral as well. So, um, uh, Nate, Ruth rather uh, bows before Boaz in, the, in light of his kindness and mercy. St. Augustine said this, do you wish to rise, he says. Begin by descending. You plan a tower that will pierce the clouds, then lay the foundation of humility. Humility. That's what Boaz, or that's what Ruth did with towards Boaz. She was touched by the graciousness outpouring of Boaz. She lays a foundation of humility so she can rise high in his eyes. That is Boaz's eyes, in which she did. So if we want to taste of and receive of the kinsman redeemer's action in our life, we need to lay a foundation of humility. And that is to turn away from sin and to recognize that in Jesus Christ is the redeeming mercy and the redeeming wisdom and the redeeming power he wants to bring into our life. So let's pray. So Lord, we thank you today again for Boaz, who emerges onto our chapter two as the kinsman redeemer. We see him as the one who pours out graciousness, liberality of resources into Ruth's life. He protects her, rescues her in many ways. We look to Jesus, and we first, as our kinsman redeemer, and we look, we turn away from our sin in our life, turn away from our self-seeking actions that lead our life oftentimes into dysfunction and turmoil, and we want to repent of that and lay a foundation of humility so we can rise up into the redemption you have purposed for us, and we pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.